It's Wednesday, September 27th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, the Guardians lost a slugfest on Tuesday to the Reds, 11-7. A uh, bunch of home runs hit in the ballgame, most of them hit by the Reds. Uh, many of them hit by Ellie De La Cruz, including a 467-foot bomb uh, late in the game. Uh, the Reds' offense uh, came through when it needed to as they're uh, uh, still fighting, still trying to get into the postseason. Uh, what you see from uh, the the Guardians in a game that uh, th- that the Reds desperately needed to win? And, uh, you know, at least in the first two innings, it looked like Lucas Giolito was going to give them a chance, but then uh, the, uh, the home run started flying. Yeah, Joe, uh, Giolito's given up 40 home runs this year, most in the American League, um, just uh, that's a lot of home runs. And, you know, like you said, uh, two two score, two hitless innings, you know, but, the you know, kind of the warning signs where he walked, he'd already walked two batters, uh, both of them coming in the second inning. And then, you know, he said uh, then the home runs and the walks started flying. Luke Maley, our old buddy, uh, led off the uh, third inning with a home run. Then, uh then uh, CES Christian Encarnacion Strand hit one in the in the in the in the third, and it just went from there. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz, Joe, what do you think of over 800 feet of two of home runs last night? Yeah, this is uh you know, and and we had sort of alluded to uh, this was going to be a guy who could be a problem, uh, you know, in in the future. Uh, just based on potential and, and what he had shown and, uh, you know, the, the speed power combination. And, and he showed it all uh, last night uh, for the Reds. Uh, it's a guy to keep an eye on for sure uh, as, as the, the seasons uh, wear on. And, and, you know, and we see the, the Reds pretty often. So, uh, you know, just an exciting player, a guy who has the potential to, to hit, you know, 450 plus foot home runs, but also has the, uh, uh, you know, one of the strongest arms in all of baseball in uh, in the field and the ability to run the bases uh, that we've seen, you know, is he's a guy who can steal home plate. I mean, he's he, he's an all around uh, player. He's very young, very raw and uh, pretty impressive that he had a ball six, uh, 467 feet, one of the longest home runs uh, of the season in, in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, exit velocity almost 120 miles an hour on that home run in the on the two run homer in the in the ninth, uh, 420 feet on his uh, leadoff home run in the fourth. That was you know if you're fishing, Joe, you throw that one back if you're L.A. De La Cruz. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a little bit. You you should have known from his his first home run that he hit in the big leagues. He almost put it out of Great American Ballpark. I think. Uh, uh, that was, should have been a, a sign to, to everybody. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I mean, this is the, uh, Hoinsey, what do you think of the, the battle for the Ohio cup? The, uh, uh, the trophy that, that travels between the two clubs, the, the guardians have won it, uh, for, uh, several years now, uh, or retained it at least, uh, they're going to need a win tonight in, in Terry Francona's final game as manager at progressive field. Uh, in, in order to retain the cup uh, and, and keep it, split the season series two games apiece, uh, do you think they get that done with Shane Bieber on the mound? Yeah, Joe, I think I think they got a chance. Uh, you know, obviously, um, 
you know, we have to see what what Shane Bieber, uh, you know, shows up. Uh, you know, the the Reds, like you said, they're playing for a, you know, they're still clinging to the hopes of winning that wild that third wild card spot. Uh, you know, Bieber, this is only his second start since July sixth, July 9th, I should say, right before the All Star break. So, uh, you know, a, a good a good test for Bieber because he's gonna he's gonna face a uh, a lineup that you know has a lot to play for. Yeah, and, and you know, don't expect Bieber to go much over 80, 85 pitches. Don't expect him to go uh, much deeper than, you know, five innings or so. But uh, he can put you in a position to to maybe get a chance to win the game. Uh, and, and that's all you're really looking for is him coming out of this game healthy and, uh, you know, in his final start of the season. And, and who knows, it could be his final start uh, in a Guardians uniform. Uh, you, you never know. Uh, it, it, he, he recognized that. Uh, in in his last start that, you know, there's a potential that, you know, he might not be with this team after the offseason. Yeah, and the last start of the season, too, right, Joe? I mean, he's not going to start against Detroit. So, uh, yeah, this is, you know, a chance for him, like a kind of a two-pronged thing, you know. Maybe it's his chance to say goodbye and go out in style, or it's his chance to, uh, you know, finish – uh, at least, you know, finish with, on a good note and go into the offseason knowing, you know, he's got a lot of work to do, but that his elbow is sound and he should be ready for open, uh, spring training next year, wherever that may take him. Yeah, that's uh, certainly the case. So we do know the pitching rotation uh, for the final three games of the season beginning Friday in Detroit. Uh, it's going to be Cal Quantrill, Tristan McKenzie, and Lucas Giolito will get the last start of the season on Sunday. Uh, that's, uh, you know, all set there. Gavin Williams uh, won't make another start, uh, you know, this year. Uh, so all three of the, the rookies in the rotation for Cleveland uh, have, have been shut down uh, towards the end of the year, as, as we had anticipated they would have been, uh, either by injury or by, uh, by, by the manager's decision. Uh, as far as other injuries, uh, Gabriel Arias left last night's game with uh, a sore right wrist uh, that he sort of aggravated on a couple of swings uh, during his at-bats earlier in the game. Uh, and uh, Andres Jimenez left the game after fouling a ball off his knee. Both of those guys were going to get checked out uh, prior to Wednesday's game, but there might be roster moves coming uh, ahead of Wednesday night's uh, series finale uh, because you've, you've got to get, uh, you know, warm bodies in there to to, to cover some uh, some depth and some some spots for them. Yeah, you know, we saw we saw, you know, Jimenez in the locker room after the game. So I, I think he's OK. But uh, Arias, uh, you know, Francona pretty much said even if the uh, MRI comes back clean and shows no damage, said he's probably done for the year. Did uh, that's at least that was the impression I got, Joe, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it sounded that way. Yeah, and it's, it didn't sound like uh, you know the trainers w- would let him play you know tonight in the in the last three games in Detroit. So you know they're going to have to get up uh, Brian Brian Rocchio maybe, or, or they're going to or you know tra- uh, Tyler Freeman is already here. So, but you're gonna you're gonna need some you know you're gonna need some infield depth for sure. Yeah, that's uh you know, and that's where Jose Tana might get a, a start and a, the chance to play as well. So, you know, there's there's the possibility there, but uh, you know, your middle infield could look like Tana and Freeman tonight uh, as a possibility uh, with with Bieber on the mound. Uh, 
and and also uh, don't forget David Fry, uh, who had been uh, filling a, a variety of roles, including backup catcher. Uh, he's going to be uh, away from the team as uh, on paternity leave as he and his wife are expecting uh, the birth of their first child. So, uh, you know, we saw Cam Gallagher. We saw a couple of players in the locker room after the game uh, giving hugs and high fives as, as Fry left, uh, you know, probably uh, for the final time uh, with, the, with the club uh, this season. Uh, they're not going to see him before uh, maybe the last game of the year in Detroit. Uh, wanted to mention uh, here, uh, Brooks Robinson, Hall of Fame, uh, third baseman uh, for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, passed away yesterday at the age of 86. Uh, Tito was asked about it uh, in his pregame uh, press conference, and you know there was a connection there because uh, uh, Terry Francona's uh, dad, Tito, had uh, had roomed with Brooks Robinson uh, when when they were with uh, the Orioles, uh, you know, back in I'm assuming back in the 50s. Yeah, and he also roomed with them uh, in winter ball in Havana in Cuba when they played together. You know, I thought uh, you know 16 Gold Gloves, Joe, the probably the the greatest defensive third baseman to to pl- ever play the game. What they call him the human the human vacuum cleaner uh, <laughs> over at third base. And uh, I thought Tito summed it up best when he he said he's baseball royalty. Yeah, that's uh, that's it, it's pretty. I would love to hear some of the stories that I'm sure Tito has about Brooks Robinson that that he couldn't, you know, talk about on the uh, on the podium there uh, post game because I'm sure all of those came rushing back to him uh, as he was being asked about uh, the great Brooks Robinson and uh, his Hall of Fame career and and just who he was as a player and as a as a personality. So. Uh, speaking of all of that, uh, you know, want to let, uh, let our, our listeners know here, uh, uh, subtext is the best way to get, uh, our insight and our, uh, behind the scenes look at what's going on at the ballpark tonight, uh, with Terry Francona's final game, uh, as the, the manager in Cleveland, uh, at Progressive Field. Uh, you, you know, you want to get all of that, uh, you know, any sort of, uh, takes or any sort of observations that we have. Uh, we send them through to, uh, subtext first. Uh, it's cleveland.com slash subtext. It's a subscription service, $3.99 a month. Uh, but you get all of our, uh, you know, all of our insight into what's going on with the team or send a text message, 216-208-4346, uh, and, and we'll uh, we'll make you part of our subtext community. Hoinsey, uh, we, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about, you know, stories that we hear from from and about Terry Francona. And uh, a lot of them are coming out of the woodwork right now as uh, people are posting their memories and their sort of look looks back at his uh, time in Cleveland and as a manager in Major League Baseball. So I thought we'd uh, we'd spend a few minutes here just going over uh, some of our favorite memories of Tito at Progressive Field and and just, uh, you know, what it's been like to, to cover him over the last, uh, you know, 11 years uh, as manager in Cleveland. Uh, just going back to when they, they first announced that uh, that Terry Francona was, uh, you know, a, a possibility, uh, you know, the, the possibility of getting a two-time World Series uh, champion manager uh, to come to Cleveland and, and sit on the bench and, and sort of run things. What was your reaction when you when you first found out that, that Tito was going to be the man. Yeah, you know, I talked to him a couple times, you know, you know, be, while they were, you know, before they interviewed him, Joe, I remember, and he was, 
the thing that struck me is that he was excited about it. You know, he he had been away, he had been away from <clears throat> excuse me, he had been away from the game for a year. He'd been uh, working. He was working with ESPN, but you could tell that he wanted it. Uh, and then I talked to his dad uh, and uh, he said, you know, Tito, uh, Tito, uh, Tito's dad had played 15 years in the big leagues played for a bunch of teams, but said, you know, his best memories of playing baseball were in Cleveland. And he was thrilled to death that, that Tito might, his, his son might get the job. Yeah. And, and that was sort of the, the feeling right away when, when he first joined was that that family and that bond sort of feeling uh, with Tito was almost like uh, he was one of us. He was one of our guys coming back, you know, as a, as a, as an as a lifelong Clevelander, that was the feeling that you know I got was that you know we got a guy who uh, you know gets us in terms of our our personality and and you know what it takes to to sort of live in Northeast Ohio, uh, even though he's you know from the from the desert and from Western Pennsylvania and he grew up a Steelers fan. That that always struck me is that he grew up a Steelers <laughs> fan. You know you can't how can you have a guy in charge of your your, your team? <laughs> who's rooting for the Steelers all of his life. That was, uh, a, you know, a big thing uh, that, that, that stood out early about uh, Tito. Uh, his his humor and his way of, like, disarming people has always been uh, you know, his, his charm. And, and what one of the things that, that appeals to, uh, you know, uh, everybody, really, uh, the, the self-deprecation and, you know, never putting himself, you know, making himself bigger than, uh, the team or the players or the moment or anything like that. Uh, anything, you know, really stand out uh, to you uh, from, you know, the, the early years of him in Cleveland that, you know, was an example of how, how he was never, you know, one to, to grab the spotlight for himself. Yeah, Joe, I think, uh, you know, in those early teams, he always made it a point to, uh, you know, have, have kind of a veteran guy in the clubhouse that would almost, you know, kind of police the clubhouse, take care of it, take care of things for him. You know, Jason Giambi was great at that, you know, for the first couple of years of, of, of Tito's tenure. Then, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, but, uh, you know, Mike Napoli came in and did kind of the same job in 2016. But it was always like he was always, you know, really – you know, he, he deferential to the players. He, you know, he, he, like you said, he never put himself in front of them. And, uh, you know, he always had, uh, you know, that, that, that was the key to me. I mean, you know, he, 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 he put the players first, you know, he had an idea how he wanted to play, how he wanted them to play. Uh, and, uh, you know, he just, uh, he was very calm, you know, very, uh, kind of, you know, not regimented, but just, you know, it was, we're going to play baseball and we're going to play it the right way. One of the things that you asked him about uh, recently was just his ability, the, the sort of the uncanny thing that, that uh, you know, no matter what injuries or weird turns or weird circumstances popped up, uh, you know, Tito's approach has always been, you know, we'll figure it out. And, uh, and and normally, usually, typically, he did, and they they did find a way to 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 make things that were perceived weaknesses on this team. You know, you're you're you don't have a center fielder. Okay, well, we'll move Jason Kipnis out there, or you know, something. His his approach was always to try and make a perceived weakness into a strength, or 
you know, try to try to make things work in 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 a different in a different way. You're you're using Andrew Miller, uh, who could be a, a back end closer on any team. You're using him in the the sixth inning and uh, getting the the three most important outs of a game in a playoff series. Uh, what anything stand out? Uh, you know about Tito like that for you over the years? Yep. Yeah, Joe, I think you hit the nail on the head. He, you know, he, it was that calming effect. You know, he would say, Hey, well, I remember 2016, they lose Danny Salazar. They lose uh, Carlos Carrasco, you know, going down the stretch in September. You know, yes, they're going to win the AL Central, but, uh, you lose, you know, two fifths of your starting rotation, uh, you know, that going into the postseason, you're not going to get very far in, in October. But he said, okay, he pumped the brakes. He said, we'll figure it out. And I remember uh, talking to Andrew Miller, you know, a couple of days after that. And he, and he he was a true believer. He said, hey, like Tito said, we're going to figure things out. And lo and behold, you know, they, there they are in game seven of the World Series. You know, he had, Tito had to reinvent the way you use bullpens in the postseason. But he did it basically with, uh, you know, uh, two starters in, in – uh, in uh, Kluber and and Josh Tomlin, you know, uh, Trevor Bauer, you know, gets gouged by his uh, his drone. They they pull Ryan Merritt out of the hat to win, the, you know, the clincher, the ALCS clincher against Toronto. Uh, you know, he he was a believer and in, uh, in, in uh, what Terry Francona said worked. You know, the only guy that didn't believe it was me, Joe, and I ended up <laughs> jumping in Lake Erie because of it. Yeah, that was that. That's one of my fondest memories was uh, going out to the uh, Menor Headlands Beach in uh, at the end of the 2016 season uh, in December with Hoinsey to to film a uh, Hoinsey jumping in the lake as uh, as he paid up on his uh, his promise there. I think uh, you know just really significant uh, moments that we we've seen throughout uh, you know just the the last decade with with Tito, uh, you know. You can't draw up Rajay Davis hitting that uh, that home run. That's that that's the stuff that that, that like dreams are made of. Uh, but but you could see how everything Tito put into place led to those moments. It's it's kind of kind of interesting to go back and and, and watch that. Uh, he just I will I will take away just his humor and his his humility. Uh, the scooter. Uh, you know, what other manager rides that that scooter, the the bike that he uh, uh, affectionately calls the hog, uh, you know, he, to to games every day? I, I mean, you look ridiculous on the thing uh, with, with wearing flip flops and, and zipping through the streets of downtown Cleveland. Uh, you know, after the 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 playoff win, uh, the walk off win uh, against um, or not the walk off win, the, the game one win against uh, Tampa Bay. Last year, uh, you know, he thought that the the lady across the street as he was pulling out of the ballpark was going to flash him. And instead, she had a T-shirt on that said, you know, that had Tito's face on it. You know, moments like that uh, really jump out. Uh, but his press conferences, his daily press interviews were, uh, you know, you were, were don't miss those kind of opportunities because you, you, could, you never know what you're going to hear from him. Uh, the, the, the peanut butter pretzels on his, uh, on his glasses and the, uh, you know, having a nightmare that he was, he was being kicked in the ribs when really he was just sleeping on top of the remote control. Uh, those are, those are all moments that you look back on and you think, you know, this guy's a major league manager. He's, 
And, and yes, it, it, he just makes it work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, I just like, you know, how, uh, you know, after all the baseball questions got asked, Joe, you know, he'd, he'd sit there and talk to the reporters, you know, everything was off, the, you know, it was pretty much off the record, but you're in that interview room, you know, it's not the most intimate place, you know, there's bright lights, but he he makes it seem like you're sitting in his living room and just, or on a bar stool, just talking to him. And, uh, you know, he'd talk about the University of Arizona basketball team, or he'd talk about, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, you know, Franco Harris said that the, the, what the, the immaculate reception and all that stuff. And it just, it would just come out and, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, you just don't see that a, a lot. I don't think by, from a lot of managers, he, he's definitely an old school manager in that approach. And he liked to talk, you know, he, he loved basketball. He's a basketball junkie, you know, the NBA, the college basketball, you know, I, I'm not really up on that, but you are. And I, I know you love to hear all that stuff. Well, yeah, w- w- he, he would seek out the people who, who knew about things like that, yeah. like uh, the different reporters who also cover basketball when they would show up to games he would specifically ask about, you know, knowing that that they were in talking to uh, Coach J.B. Bickerstaff and the uh, the Cavaliers, or uh, you know, when, when anybody who who had questions, when he had questions about the Browns, he would ask. Uh, so yeah, he would talk to people who knew and, and were close to that, so that he was more informed about it. And it's it was just fun to watch uh, him learn and him have questions and, and then, and then react to things like that. There's a million stories, you know, on the road of, of him, uh, you know, after the cameras are off, just asking specifically about things. And, you know, when, when you see the light bulb go off in his face, like something he didn't know about beforehand, it, it, it was, it was, it could be funny. It could be, and he could also be intimidating. He could also intimidate reporters. Uh, you know, if, if you didn't come with a, a prepared question or something that, you know, you made it sound like you knew what you were talking about. He he could jump on you or, or you know, depending if he was uh, in, uh, a little crabby that day, he, he might snap at you, too. Uh, and and for as long as you covered him, uh, you bore the brunt of uh, of many of those days. <laughs> I asked him more dumb questions than anybody, Joe. And, you know, and he'd always like, you know, he'd always say, Hoys, what are you, you like, you're killing me, you know? And, and, uh, you know, he'd roll his eyes and, uh, but then, you know, he, he, so he'd get done, you know, he'd go half, half of the question would be ripping you. And then at the, the other half, he'd give you the perfect answer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think he got as much fun out of it as, as we did. But yeah, it could I mean, be, but, but he, you know, like, I think that was kind of a, you know, kind of a, a hangover from uh, Boston. He brought that with him, you know, because he had a little bit of an edge in Boston. I guess you have to, you know, to survive the, uh, to, to the media focus there. But, uh, but he could still kind of light you up a little bit. You better, you know, you had to be on your game when you went into that interview room. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different media environment between the two uh, the two sort of situations there. So uh, for sure, he 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 could play with us a little bit differently than he did the guys in Boston. Uh, tonight they're expected to do uh, uh, you know there's going to be passing out T-shirts and say thank you Tito at the ball game. Uh, they're going to do a, a video tribute. I'm sure that that will be highly emotional, uh, and and everybody will get a, a chance to watch that. Uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, looking forward to tonight, and we'll wrap it all up uh, tomorrow. 
uh, one podcast as we, we get ready for the final series of the regular season in Detroit beginning Friday. Poinsy, we'll talk to you then. Okay, Joe.